Working drummer. Now kick it. This is the Working Drummer Podcast, serving up perspectives, experiences, and stories from ground-level working pros. Advice, tips, and secrets on how to build a career in the music business. Hey, Working Drummers, this is the Working Drummer Podcast. Thanks for joining us. I'm Zach Albetta. Today's interview is with Wes Anderson, who late last year won the audition to become the drummer for the U.S. Army Jazz Ambassadors. This is the top touring jazz band in the military, and uh, their mission is to give concerts throughout the country at all types of venues for all types of audiences. Before that, Wes was based in L.A., where he was a member of the great pianist Eric Reed's trio, and also played at Disneyland, which is where he and I first met. Thanks for your social media responses. Those are much appreciated, and keep them coming. We are at Working Drummer Podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And without further ado, let's talk with Staff Sergeant Wes Anderson. You and I crossed paths uh, at <coughs> Disneyland. Yep. Um, and that's, that's where I want to start, because uh, so many musicians play there, either on a temporary or, or pretty permanent long-term basis, um, and it's not... It's not a gig I ever envisioned myself doing in my younger years. Yeah, same here. Uh, um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I just I want to hear about uh, your experience at Disney and and how how you got there from Phoenix and and mm-hmm. what that whole move was all about. <clears throat> okay. Well, it was two thousand twelve, right? That's is that one? Yes. Yeah, two thousand twelve. Okay. So in two thousand twelve, I had still been a, a freelance musician in Arizona after graduating from Arizona State in 2010. Mm-hmm. So I, I had always known while I was in school that I needed to, to broaden my horizons and, and get out of Phoenix and just get to, a, just to another scene, but primarily a, a bigger and better scene. Mm-hmm. And my goals at that time still were to get to the East Coast. So that is what I was looking into. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, several different reasons. Um, one, I was married to my former wife mm-hmm. and she wasn't down with going all the way across the country. So I had to start thinking of other options. Um, I thought about Chicago, mm-hmm. even took a trip to Chicago as well with her to, to see if that, um, would be the thing. And I, I even auditioned, uh, at, um, DePaul mm-hmm. university. Yeah. Yeah. yeah to get into the master's program there and and uh, they had sent me some information back and then I ended up uh, turning it down and saying, you know, I at this point in time I'm actually going to not pursue a master's. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was kind of around the point where um, I had found out about some band audition for <laughs> Disney. Right. And I was thinking in my mind, well, okay, I need to get out of Arizona. Um, you know, I've, I have, you know, my playing is, has, you know, grown to, with this scene to basically like it's, 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 it's a, I've reached that point. Right. And I need to get out and I need to go and, and, um, and, and really, really go for it. Yeah. And so that's when Los Angeles became that next that next um, jumping point for me, and that's that's what I looked at it as. Um, and when I found out there was the audition, I read it and I was like, "Oh, this I, I could totally do this." Yeah. But, um, growing up, I wasn't you know, wasn't like a Disney kid or right. didn't we didn't go on like family vacations. Yeah. Like ever, I think we went 
once when I was like three years old. Right. So I don't remember that. And then there was one time uh, just after high school that I went. Mm-hmm. And that was, that was like the only, that was like the only time that I was at Disneyland. Right. And then, dun, dun, dun. <laughs> I was there all the time. <laughs> Every yeah. day. Yeah. All the time. <laughs> and, uh, but I, when I was, when I was first in, in my mind looking at it, it was okay. Uh, my goal is to, still get to the, the East Coast or, you know, to get to New York or, you know, I, I want that still to be a goal. Right. And to, this is going to be a stepping that. stone. Yeah, yeah. So this is this is my next stepping stone and in, in, in platform to make as many contacts as I can and, and uh, meet great musicians, play with them and, you know, pick people's brains, um, but just be around different, you right. know, right. new and, and, um, get an idea of what uh, a really major city is like. Yeah. And even though Los Angeles is completely different than New York. Right. Um, but just being, you know, being in like a mass of people. Right. A tiny fish in a huge yeah. pond. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and I needed that. And I, I also wanted to go and be able to actually, you know, eat food that, you know, <laughs> isn't ramen. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Top ramen that is, because there is delicious ramen in Los Angeles. Yeah, yeah, still not very expensive, like eight bucks, yeah. but you know, yeah. it's still more than the top ramen. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And uh, but I, you know, I and to actually, you know, have some some sustenance financially yeah. Yeah. <laughs> coming in, and 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 Disney was that mm-hmm. for me, just as you you know too. Yeah, yeah. It was able to suffice that just enough. Right. Not quite enough, but just enough. To right. The the saying the saying around <laughs> Disney I remember was you'll you you can make a living at Disney, but you'll never make any money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like just enough to keep you coming back every every week. Unless you're Stan Freeze. <laughs> he actually retired. Did you see that? Did he really? I, yeah, I think he yeah, he like they had his ceremony. Oh um, wow. I saw something on Facebook from the guys at the in the jambalaya. Man, he was threatening yeah. for years. Yeah, yeah. And for those listening, this is Stan huh. Fries, who for years and years was a, a musical director at, at Disneyland, and he's the mm-hmm. uh, former musician at Disneyland, and also the father of Josh Fries, the great mm-hmm. session drummer. Yep. Um, so, Fantastic. Yeah, all kinds of milestones at, at Disney. I saw. I think today, uh, the day we're doing this interview, is the four-year anniversary of Five and Dime. Really? Yeah, I saw that on Facebook. So the Five and Dime band was the 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 band in California Adventure that Wes and I uh, both played in. Um, and, and I want you to, to talk about your experience auditioning for that band and, and just being a part of that show uh, for the years that you were, cause it is a show. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> and that, that was the, uh, the only other experience personally that I can relate to that prior to getting in, into that show um, was being in marching band and drumline. Mm-hmm. Just for the fact that you're working on a show and it's going to be the same show every mm-hmm. time you perform it. And yep. you have, you know, you've got to step to the left over here, mm-hmm. you know, do a little shimmy, whatever you got to do. <laughs> make people smile over there. Yeah. Do some other choreography, you know. So it wasn't completely foreign to me, but it was because it was still it was still a, a new thing. Yeah. And the fact of. Learning that music was for as a as a drummer. It wasn't that difficult, really, for us because you know I had it. 
you're a good drummer. I'm a good drummer. Yeah. <clears throat> it's it's basically you know road mapping the form, right? And there's no there's really nothing on those parts that it's like you have to play this every time. Yeah, um, it's just up to, up to the musician. So, mm-hmm. which is which is kind of nice um, yeah. to have that <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> to be able to, to be able to do that. Um, however, you know, having speaking lines, yeah, and learning how to you know distinguish while playing trying to tell so you remember that part in, yeah. in the show where we had to like you know kind of entertain a guest while we're playing and mm-hmm. keep them over in this side of the stage and make up a little story or something and right. tell them something about Walt Disney yeah tell you know, a joke in the show as your character you know and so that's that was that took a little bit of time right um, singing while playing just a little bit that was mm-hmm. pretty comical a little bit of I, remember, I, remember, I remember that in, in <laughs> rehearsal I know you do too. Oh yeah, just watching people fold yeah. hard, trying to, and, and it happened to all of us because it's something that you know I had not done before, and and uh, I can I can do it in my mind, but right. then when it actually comes time to like move your mouth and have words come out, you sound oh, yeah. <laughs> sound ridiculous. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, they they didn't care. Like I think yeah, I think exactly. Looking yeah. looking and sounding yeah. ridiculous was part of the show, and yeah, and that and, was our character. So right. Thankfully, right. that was yeah. That's so good. The more the more you kind of committed, and uh, the more you committed to looking and sounding a little bit ridiculous, the uh-huh. better it was for the show and just kind of the whole yeah. concept of the thing. Yeah. Um, so uh, yeah, the the marching band analogy is is a very accurate one, and and I also thought of uh, playing musicals because the show yeah. was was basically mm-hmm. like a little twenty five yeah. minute musical. Yeah, um, and I in in back in Phoenix, I had. Only just barely scratched the surface of, of playing stage shows or musicals, and and that was something that I wasn't focused on. So, but I totally agree with you on that. That that's yeah, that's yeah. definitely definitely a parallel. Yeah, and um, the audition process um, for that was was similar in a sense. You know, um, having my ex- my experience from growing up and auditioning for drum and bugle corps, mm-hmm. and then you know going to a university, you know, auditioning for the faculty, having a couple auditions under my belt already on the way, and then my growing my confidence as going through school, getting my bachelor's degree, working as a professional musician while going to school, but then outside after graduating, you know, having having that for myself going into that audition, uh, I was I was ready and I was prepared yeah. for that. And I, I felt good with that. So when I went to audition, I my mindset was okay. I'm, I'm going, and I'm going to get this position. Right. I'm, I'm going to get this this gig. Yeah. And going to uh, do, do what it takes to get it. Yeah. I will, <laughs> I will get this, and then we'll make this happen. Yeah. And that's that's really what it was. Uh, the the process itself um, was. Uh, I'm trying to think of the right word. Um, well, it was it was humbling. It was it, it well. There's yeah. I guess I could think of uh, maybe just a few words: humbling, exhilarating, um, not quite terrifying, but stressful. Mm-hmm. Um, a little intimidating. But, uh, definitely intimidating. Because at least the first round of auditions was yeah. a cattle call. Yeah, and they like and, they put fifty guys in yeah. a room. Yeah, and it's it's like you know it's like if you've ever gone to like you know like 
like the dog pound or anything, or you know, you've got like a bunch of caged animals just kind of just like you know just like going at it or just like just around. Right. And you, you even when you walk in and everybody's like looks at you and it's just immediate like size up. Who's yep. this guy? Who's that? Yep. And um, that's that's normal. That's the human nature thing. People mm-hmm. do that all the time. They don't usually vocalize it, but you can read people's faces and, right. and eyes and know what they're talking about. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, um, but you know, just the other thing that I really made sure was that I knew going into that audition is it, it wasn't going to just be uh, a playing a performance audition. Mm-hmm. It is also how you present yourself. It's it's also um, your professionalism with your look. Mm-hmm. So I went. I wore a suit. Yep, you know, I remember I wore a suit to that audition because. For one, I'm a jazz musician. Mm-hmm. Honestly, wearing a suit, I that's like the most comfortable thing I feel anyways. <laughs> like I'm always wearing a suit when I play. Yeah. But two, it it looks good. Right. And rightfully so. It's it's extremely professional. And uh, the Walt Disney Company is extremely professional. That they are. And they're not look they weren't looking to hire people that would show up in board shorts and a tank top. Right. With flippy floppies on, you know, and, and there <laughs> Which were some guys did. And there, and there were, and and they, you know, I don't know how they played in their personal audition portion, mm-hmm. um, but you know, and, and it, the experience taking away from that was, you know, if if you're going for a gig, even if it's for a band or or, or anything, what what do they have? And what do they want and what do they need and what are they looking for? And ask yourself those questions if you fit that. Right. If you fit that mold, then if you do, then great. Right. That's that's one check off off your list. Now it's okay. Apply, go audition and and go kill it. Right. You know? Because if, if those things all line up and you approach it from their standpoint, it's you you, you kinda almost Almost a shoe in really. Yeah. Yeah. Almost. <laughs> you still have you still have to actually be able to play, perform and right. be on time, you know, you know, mm-hmm. be personable. That's some that's also something that at points has been hard for me, but over the years, um, just you know, talking to people out of the blue. Initially it's sometimes it's it's hard for me to be like super personable yeah. up front if I'm by myself. Mm-hmm. If I'm not around anybody that I know or I'm comfortable with, I'm usually the cat that I survey. I just you know right. kind of take in the scene. I just kind of check out what people do, and and I I that's that's what I do. That's what I'm comfortable with, and I you know. But if if I know somebody there, and it's it's just you know that's that's just being social, right? Like social structures, right? Like, you know someone you can talk to, then it's easier to talk to other people. Yeah, and but, Disney Disney does not hire jerks. No, like mm-hmm. there there are all kinds of people that work oh, at Disney, yeah. and and yeah. a lot of them have you know issues other than being a jerk. But if yes. you're if you're not a nice person and good yeah. to work with, and and yeah. just kind of project yeah. positivity, you won't do well there. And yeah. I I struggled with the same thing you did because yeah. I I tend to be introverted in in a new situation. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I don't always want to be outgoing. I don't always want to be like super mm-hmm. positive. I would yeah. come in, I would come in at eight in the morning and some stage manager would be right up there as a, Hey Zach, how you doing this morning? I'd, I'd be like, I'm fine. I'm, I'm good. Just, <laughs> Just thank you. <laughs> 
10, 10 minutes to call, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> please, please just let me turn the lights off. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, like, what was uh, – you, you were there for, like, three years, right? Yeah. Just You, you and I did that gig for about the same amount of time. Yeah. Yeah, literally, you. I left just before. I think a couple months before you. Mm-hmm. I think. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, so um, did your did your uh, attitude about the gig change over that time? Um, no, not really. Because when I when I like what I already had, had said when I was you know looking to go to Los Angeles to a bigger scene, I was looking at as a as a stepping stone in a in a jumping point, mm-hmm. and. So I knew, um, well, one, two, <laughs> um, Disneyland for that position, they weren't offering that as a full-time position right. from, the, from the beginning. Right. And so another lesson to take away from that is, you know, when, when something is offered a certain way, you need to really accept that 100% that that's how it's offered because right. that's, that's what it, that's what it was mm-hmm. and that's what it still is. Yeah. Um, and, you know, there's, I remember one thing about being in the gig was that, you know, a lot of times, even myself, um, people were hoping that oh, maybe, maybe they'll just make this full time. But, you know, it was a beautiful thing that it wasn't full time because for me personally and as a performer and an artist and a jazz musician, um, being put in a box all the time. Yeah. There's only so much you can take, mm-hmm. and on an individual level, that's different for everybody. Yeah. Um, and I had, you know, I had, I had done that. I, I did drum and bugle corps and and everything. For me as a drummer, that was necessary for my chops. You know, my yeah. technique, my foundational drumming technique, and and, and work ethic, and yeah, exactly, yeah. and being able to to have the facility on my instrument and, and technique for my instrument that really the only next step is just really constantly evolving and developing your, your musicality mm-hmm. and your musical vocabulary. Because when you, when you build your facility to play whatever you want to be able to play and keep working on that all along, you, you never run into those issues anymore. So drum and bugle corps and drumline and marching band, that was that was so essential for me. Mm-hmm. De- what corps were you with? I was with the Arizona Academy Drum and Bugle Corps. Okay, cool. Yeah, and uh, you know, so I got I got to meet some some very big people mm-hmm. in in the percussion community and in percussion world, and and be around that, and be around a culture of you know everybody adding their thing into the show and into the music and, and giving everything you got. Right and. And that was that was a beautiful thing. And there are times where I where I miss that, um, but I had missed that quite a bit while I was freelancing in Arizona, mm-hmm. and also while I was freelancing in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. But the times that I was able to get that that rush again, and some people call it a high. We can call it a high. Um, you know, adrenaline based or just yeah, yeah. You know, just energy based, and and that's a healthy high yeah. to have. You know, just your emotions are flowing. It's 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 good for your body, and performing at Disneyland was one of those times. Mm-hmm. So that's when I knew that okay, this was the right step. This was a, a good thing. And however, I see there are these parameters on this position, 
and um, I'm I'm using this to my to my benefit right now to help sustain right. myself being in Los Angeles. It can be luck. It could be being at the right place at the right time. I completely see that and feel that too. But also, it's I feel like it's kind of like when the universe is is looking at you. And uh, for me, when the big man upstairs is is looking at you and and you know that you're ready, but they've already known you're ready, mm-hmm. and those opportunities start to come your way. Mm-hmm. I was at a bass player by the name of Mike Garola's house, and we were just hanging and, and just jamming, and and we were supposed to have an overnight for Disney that night. Right. That's and an I, overnight rehearsal. Yeah. For- <laughs> yeah. So, so basically 11 p.m. to like 7 right. a.m. So park closed to hour or so before park opening. Mm-hmm. So where you can work on all the magic. Yeah, that's that's where that takes place. Right. <laughs> um, but that, but that, but that night, um, there was the, a jam session at the Barbara Morrison Center in mm-hmm. River Park, and Eric Reed, piano player with Winter Marsalis for many years, lived in New York for twenty plus years, mm-hmm. um, originally from Philadelphia, and um, <clears throat> one of the world's best piano players yes. and a force on jazz piano. Yes. Incredible, and I got to. I when Mike told me that he was going to be there, I said, uh, "Yeah, of course. Yeah, there's no way I'm not going to go to this jam session." Mm-hmm. However, I I am a person who is strongly dedicated to their commitments, and you know, sometimes from time to time, things come up in life where you have to, you know, you know. Reschedule, or you have to do, you know, to, you prioritize. Know, things fall through, you know, and it's yeah. just exactly. Thank you. <laughs> prioritize because it happens. However, I knew that that overnight rehearsal at Disney was started at 11 p.m. Mm-hmm. and I'm committed to that. Mm-hmm. I know I have to be there. I want to honor those commitments because I keep honoring my commitments all along. It's going to just keep getting me further and further. Right. And it's important to to be, you know, to have honor with your commitments. Mm-hmm. And the jam started at uh, I think I think the jam started around eight. So it's like okay, awesome. There's gonna be a, there's gonna be a lot of time, you know, that you know should be able to to sit in. And it was the first time I had gone to the jam, and, and guitarist Jacques Lachure was running it, and you know Jacques yeah. quite well. Yeah, yeah. We worked with him a lot. And um, so we we went to the jam and and Eric was there mm-hmm. and he was just he was just kind of chilling and then um, you know he was talking and I again this is a point where like like social wise I was like God like what am I what am I gonna say to like I can't just like go up and like like I like I don't feel comfortable at this moment to just walk up to him and just start running my mouth because I feel like he's just gonna look at me and be like. The fuck are you? Right, right. You know, and so the and and I and I I I knew the the best way and the best way I do speak and the clearest way I could speak to him was just by playing. Mm-hmm. And jam started at eight. I have to be at Disney at eleven. I finally got on the kit at nine fifteen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, no, no, sorry, ten fifteen. Oh wow, yeah. wow. And this is this is like forty five minutes away from Disneyland. Yeah, just yeah. about. So, so so I'm 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 there. Like I'm like right. It's like the sweat is already like dripping because I I know I have to go. Right. But 
you know, I have to play. Yeah. Like I, I have to play. Like I need to play, mm-hmm. and I am not gonna not play. Mm-hmm. And so finally, I had, I had gone up to Jacques a couple times, and and this was before he knew me too. So Mike introduced me to him that night. So Jacques had never heard me play, right? You know, um, but he 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 knows Mike is a, a brilliant bass player, mm-hmm. and so he by that association, he's assuming very highly that I can play, right? Which is very helpful, especially in a, in a new scene. And you introduced me to Mike Carolla. Do you remember that at at the Blue Whale? Really? Yeah, we were at a, we were. I don't know if it was a jam or if it was a gig, but uh, you had invited me to go out, and um, you were there. And uh, I don't even remember who was who was playing. I honestly don't. But that was my first time at the Blue Whale, mm-hmm. and um, you were you were chilling and hanging. And I I think. It may have been Josh Nelson. It might have been, yeah. Because yeah. I think Schnell was playing. Right. Dan Schnell. Mm-hmm. Um, great drummer in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. And uh, Interviewed him. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great guy. Yeah. And funny, too. Tall. He is. He is. You, both are, you both are quite tall. I know. I was, oh. I was the tallest drummer in L.A. for, <laughs> for a minute. Um, I, like, I was one of the tallest musicians in L.A., yeah. I think. yeah. And yeah. that, like now in Atlanta, I've already met like three guys that are taller than me. There's like a trumpet player and a bass player, and like you know, dude. I try not to end up on gigs with them; it makes me look bad. No, dude. Hey. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, you met you met Mike at the Blue Whale. Yeah, um, I met Mike, and um, that's when he, you know, he said, oh, "Hey, man." He's like, "Well, you know, I've I've got a kid at my house, and you know, I I've, I'm available like next Thursday or whatever." And I said, "You know." He said, "You want to, you want to like come up and hang." I said, "Sure, of course." And so, I made that happen. Mm-hmm. So, and again, honoring your commitments, you know, I, you commit to going to hang with someone, and okay, you right. know, that is your, that is you have been given the opportunity to to continue making your impression. Yep, and and honor that. Yeah, yeah. And so I went and hung with Mike, and it was. And it was great. We just playing tunes, drinking coffee, you know, grabbed some food, came back and and uh, played some more. And and then all right, that was that was sweet, man. I I gotta go. I gotta get to another rehearsal. You mm-hmm. know, all right? You know, just is what it is. Right. Drive all the way across the city again. Uh-huh. <laughs> and uh, I know I don't miss it. <laughs> uh, uh, and uh, <laughs> so then, uh, so so you know. On Mike's word to you know Jacques that I I can play. He's okay. And then finally ten fifteen, and then Eric gets up, and then Mike gets up to play, and Jacques calls me up to play. And at this point, time crunch. By the time you know, Eric adjusts the piano bench and, and this and that. Figure out what tune Mike's, to play. Mike adjusting the bass because he's a, you know, you know. <laughs> <laughs> You know, the tuning a little bit, doing that. Now it's already like ten twenty. There's more like, like, right. like, like I, I, I and then at that moment, I'll, I, I remember telling myself, none of that other shit matters. Mm-hmm. What matters is the music, right? And that will always matter, and that will always, always take precedence um, because. That's that's the only way the music can live. Is you you have to get influence from outside, feed it into it, and mm-hmm. give everything you have. And in that moment, again, relied on my training. It definitely felt like fight or flight going on. Yeah, yeah so yeah. much 
on also the stress of being in a new city. So I have all that going on in my head, and then I, I do remember just saying, okay, nothing else matters. Right. It's time to play. Right. And that's what I came here for, mm-hmm. and that's what I'm striving for, and I always have. And it's time to play. And, it, and I don't even remember what tune we played. Mm. Don't remember the name of the tune we played. Mm-hmm. I feel honored that I can say that. <laughs> it, it doesn't bother me. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, I don't because I was just so focused. I heard the name of the tune, and in my mind, I said, awesome. Okay, got it. Mm-hmm. Name of the tune gone. I'm music. I'm right. focused on music. And from the first downbeat, um, it locked. Hmm. Best feeling I ever had. Wow. And I remember Eric looked over at me real quick and then he looked back at the keys. But I was so focused on playing, I wasn't going to start to be like, oh, he looked at me, he looked at me. Because as soon as you do that, you fold. Right. Because you're not focused on the music. Mm-hmm. But out of my peripheral vision, I, I saw him, I saw him look at me. And, uh, and, and that's that's a good thing um, because it's 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 impression one, right? Okay, ah, oh, okay. And then for him, for Eric, he is after working with Eric for about two and a half years. After that point, um, getting up kind of until like right now, mm-hmm. um, he was such a huge mentor, and the standards that that gentleman holds to his music mm-hmm. is incredible. Yeah. And the standards that he holds his musicians to playing with him is incredible. And that's what I needed. And that's what I was going for. That's why I left Arizona. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why I went to a bigger scene unbeknownst to me that um, I was going to, you know, as far as I guess timing wise, um, again, thank you. Um, that was also the point when Kevin Canner, the great drummer in Los Angeles, moved to New York. Right. And so Eric didn't have a drummer for his trio on the West Coast because mm-hmm. Kevin was in LA. Right. And he was, you know, working with Eric and everything else Kevin does beautifully. Mm-hmm. And. And um, so it just Kevin or Eric was, you know, kind of again looking for for a drummer, yeah, again to to be able to use not just in in Los Angeles, but to be able to use in his trio because he's constantly looking for for great musicians and to to take him under his wing and nurture him, um, even if it's only for for one time for one session, just right. to give him some some real shit, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. And and hip them, and then let them really take it for what they want, right. and and put their work into it. Um, and so I just remember playing with them, and then the you know played. We traded, you know. Um, Mike sounded awesome. Eric sounded awesome. Felt great. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> it felt. Um, it it really you know. While the music was going on, um, it felt like it felt like I was, you know, 
playing on a Blue Note record. <laughs> that's that's what it felt like. Yeah, it really did, and and that was so beautiful. Right, right. And um, every time we played, that's what it was like. Yeah, and it was, I was so happy, you know. <laughs> And and at that point in time, like I had forgotten all about time, you know, I forgot about I had to get to Disney, you right. know, playing. We're in the music, giving everything into it, and this is this is my opportunity. So seize it, mm-hmm. you know, seize it and give everything you have to it. And then the tune ended, and uh, okay, tune ends. What's going to happen now? Oh shit, time. What time is it? I look down. <laughs> It's like ten thirty one. It's like, oh my god. Okay, um, I have to go. Like, I I literally have to go. So mm-hmm. I I I stood up, and and I gave I gave Mike a hug, and I walked over to Eric, and I said, I called him Mr. Reed. Mm-hmm. Eric, and uh, I said, I said Mr. Reed, I said, thank you so much for letting me sit in with you, and. And unfortunately, I have to go to a, an overnight rehearsal. I, it starts in like 28 minutes. Yeah. And I, I, have to, I have to go. And he's like, hold, hold on a second. That's what I want you to do. He's like, I like how you play. Here's my card. Call me tomorrow, and then we'll set something up. Wow. He said, thank you. And he's like, call me Eric. <laughs> 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 thank you, Eric. <laughs> and, then, and then I pieced out. Yeah. I, thank, I thanked Jacques, mm-hmm. you know, leader of the jam session. You know, he wanted me to stay. You know, he, you know how Jacques is. Oh, yeah. He's a very persuasive cat. Yeah. You <laughs> can talk here off. And, mm-hmm. and um, he wanted to get my number. Other people wanted to get my number. And then it's that point. It's like, you know, another situation where people are kind of like pulling at you. Like, oh, we wouldn't you know, do this. But, you know, it's like, okay. But, yes, I'll be back. However, wow. I've got to honor this commitment. Mm-hmm. So I left Limer Park, <laughs> which is Crenshaw on the 10, as you know. Yep. Um. All the way to Disneyland, all the way back to Orange County. I broke several traffic laws that <laughs> night on the freeway, and I made it on time. Did I you partied. really? Yeah, because I, I literally, I, I was like, I was like hitting the governor on my Astro van because I was driving the Astro van. Oh my god! I was like, it was like like bouncing like yeah. off the governor, you know, like going down the 105 and shit. Oh my god! Oh. And I did. I, I clocked in. 59 and then t- time to you know, and, <laughs> time and to do the show it did it and I remember going and I still had I still had my adrenaline going from from playing with Eric and it was I had such a moment of clarity mm-hmm. and um, I called him the next day got his voicemail left a message and then waited. Yeah. <laughs> and that was agonizing. Right. <laughs> waited forever. Four days later, yeah. call me back. Wow. And uh and he said uh he said he said, you know, yeah, man, he's like, You wanna you I he's like I've already talked to Mike. Um I know you you've been hanging with Mike a little bit already and uh I already talked to him about setting up a session at his place because he's got a, a nice piano and a kit and would you be available this day? And the only answer I had was yes, yeah. because it didn't matter what else I had going on. I wasn't even going to look at my calendar. Right. This takes, was, pre- this takes yeah, precedence. I was going to change whatever else I potentially had. Mm-hmm. And 
I think I had to like give a shift away or something. Right. I probably did. <laughs> you probably gave it to me. I probably did. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank um, you. So you talked about the like the, the standards that, that Eric has for his music and for the musicians that play with him. What are what are some of the ways that that playing with him and being around him has has forced you to grow and, and up your game as a musician and a person? Because it sounds like there were a lot of musical and life lessons in there with Eric. Well, just as is playing, um, the the amount of musical commitment and musical intensity <clears throat> and drive that he has and that he gives to the music, he expects that even more in return, energy wise to him mm-hmm. and, and and not just you know as a volume thing but strictly energy right so when he's given that much you have to give just as much if not more because you have to keep feeding the beast mm. you keep feeding that and feeding the music because what he's giving to the music requires so much support mm-hmm. um, that it will happen if you don't but it it's not going to really happen the way that it can. Right. And just like when you listen to any great record, your favorite record, whatever that may be for anyone. And if that has something on it that is tangible, but you, you can't quite touch it, but it just makes you feel so good. Mm -hmm. And just the sound of it and just the energy of it it is playing with that (laughs) Mm. all the time. The, the dude um, I just call him the dude. <laughs> it's hilarious. He would laugh. Um, Eric, <clears throat> he he really could he could just record every performance he has and ever and ever gives and and just make an album mm-hmm. out of that um, because he he is that level yeah and that the beauty of his musicianship and and he has his moments too. There's there's times, but that's that's the beauty of playing, and that was for me too. Because for the first four months of playing with Eric, I thought I was going to get fired, <laughs> after, like after every time we played. But that was me personally looking at myself because I started to to doubt myself mm-hmm. because that was the first time I was around in in a trio mm-hmm. setting, which is extremely exposed. Yeah. Um, and you have to give so much to the music because there's only three working parts. Right. You know, piano, bass, and drums. And the amount of music you can create with just that rhythm section yeah. is limitless and so beautiful. And also the amount of not music that can happen yeah. <laughs> is limitless and not beautiful. Right. <laughs> but when, when, when the connection's not there. Mm-hmm. But <clears throat> playing with Eric... And uh, and Mike um, initially at that time, that was that was the the first moment where I was experiencing that, and uh, being around two musicians uh, that were better than me, mm. and uh, it was extremely humbling. But I started to kind of doubt myself, like, what am I doing playing with these guys? But Eric would keep reminding me, um, he he would keep reminding me. You know, from time to time, if it was something he would play, um, he would throw little things out there for me because his vocabulary, the same with Mike, um, 
vocabulary is everything. Mm-hmm. And Eric is the the musician that can read your thoughts, like before <laughs> you do it. And it's it's brilliant. Yeah. And um, but he doesn't just use it as like a parlor trick or something. No, he there's just so much music right. going on and flowing from him that it. it is tangible mm-hmm. and he makes you sound 10 times better but he expects the same in return <laughs> yeah so which which is just the age-old saying of you know step up to the plate mm-hmm. you know it's time to step up and then i remember there was a there was a pivotal moment with working with eric when we were at the jazz showcase in chicago mm-hmm. and there's a four-night run and you know start on thursday and then Friday, Saturday, and then Sunday, there's like two or three performances, one's a matinee. So we had played two sets on Thursday, and we had just played the first set on Friday. And it was my first time, well, okay, let me we'll take a pause at that. But I got to backtrack, because when I was in Arizona State, um, I had played on on the at the showcase before one time mm-hmm. and that was with my um, my combo um, my senior year at ASU uh, we went to Chicago because our our teacher and, and jazz studies professor and mentor Michael Coker is from Illinois and was at Northwestern for mm-hmm. years um, before Victor Goines and um, and so I had I had been there before, and I played there before, and um, I just remembered that, uh, and it's just kind of a cool how you know, like how things work out and line up. I, oh, this is so funny, um, when I took that trip to Chicago, um, with my with my former wife, looking for potential cities to go to and scenes to go to and check mm-hmm. out scenes. Eric was playing at the showcase when huh. we went and wow. we saw it. And it was with Kevin and Hamilton. Wow. Hamilton Price. Yeah. On Hamilton base. Price, who is my homeboy now. Right. We are two peas in a pod. You know? <laughs> and Hamilton was the other bassist that I worked with Eric with. And he and Mike uh, were kind of splitting that chair mm-hmm. when Mike wasn't available, Hamilton was on, vice versa type of thing. And so that's how I met Hamilton through Eric as well, but I saw Eric. I remember we were watching and uh, in my mind, that was another point where I said, I put myself on stage. You know, I, I, I was, I was, I didn't, I had no idea who Kevin Canner was for. Mm-hmm. I had I'd heard Eric's name and, and I had, you know, heard a, a few, a few recordings of Eric playing before and, and, um, but I, I didn't know Hamilton. Um, but the trio sounded great. Mm-hmm. But as drummers do, as musicians do, um, you 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 obviously you're, you're analyzing what the other dude's doing, right. what they're playing. Uh, I don't know if I would do that or this. <laughs> I it's hard to sometimes get past that point because yeah. what what you have to also do, and then I've learned is you appreciate people's playing for their playing mm-hmm. because every every musician is unique, and if you even if you try to be somebody else, you never will be because you're not that person. Right, right. And that's just not that's, that's not for playing. I mean, that's just as as a person. Right. You know, anyone it, you aspire to be or to you know to be like is let that influence you, but you can't be 
that person or a direct copy. Right, and it took it took me a while to uh-huh. figure out, like, if I'm watching another drummer and, and I think, oh, I wouldn't have done that. That's not what I would have done. That, mm-hmm. It took me a while to figure out that that's not always a bad thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you yeah, know, yeah. like, yeah. it is possible to appreciate what yeah. someone else is doing and say, yeah. you know, I wouldn't have done that. I will never do that. Uh, yeah. But that, yeah. that was great. Holy, you yeah. know. Yeah, uh, yeah. So. And then I, and in that moment, I put myself on stage mm-hmm. and I could see that. And in my mind, I said, I, I want to play with Eric Reed. Mm. And unbeknownst to me, seven months later, I would get that opportunity. Yeah, that's amazing. Then go with him to the showcase. Right. After only, so we went, what was it? So I started playing with Eric basically September 1st. Like mm-hmm. started working with Eric a little bit, just rehearsing, just playing with him. Um, and then we had the showcase in like the start of November. Yeah. And, you know, that's a huge like step up to the plate moment. You right. know, we had like a one or two things before that, I think. But that was like, yeah, okay, we're going on the road. We're going to the jazz showcase. Are you available? Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, Give more Disney shifts away. Yeah. Yes, I'm available. I I have nothing going on. <laughs> um, and so, because I that's that was my goal, and, and and that's what I was aspiring to, and I was starting to do it. Right. And I remember it was the second set on Friday, and we got back to the green room. And it was just Eric and I. Mike was Mike was probably like grabbing a drink from the bar or something, or he just wasn't in the in the green room yet. And, and Eric walked in and and he looked at me, and just very calmly but stern, he he looked at me and he said, "Where well, we just ended that set, I don't ever want you to start below that. Wow. Regardless of how much time we take off from playing, mm-hmm. or." how much time we have spent playing said otherwise you're not going to play with me wow and that's his standard mm-hmm. you know he he was he fed me long enough you know and he carried me and carried because like i said before if the music's not happening eric will carry it right. to make it happen right but it won't be what it could be if everybody you know mm-hmm. would have done it in the first place because, like I said, you feed the energy to him and someone with his brilliance and and musical gifts. It's just it it's just like a, it's like a supernova that just keeps expanding. Right. It's just it's just not it's just not going to end. It's firing gonna, on itself. It's going to get like, better and better, and yeah. and it's beautiful. And but I remember him him telling me that, and that's when I knew really that you know the gig has been has been mine all along mm-hmm. this, this point of, of my personal turmoil, you know, to myself, of am I, why am I doing this? It, well, not why am I doing this, but you know, how I am I going to do this? Like, how, I, yeah, like, yeah. How, like, how, like, I feel like crap. Like, right. I don't feel like my ideas are, are good. And I was just getting in my own way, but he, he was only going to tolerate that for so long. Right. Right. And he when was, he, when he drew it, the line, it was, it was, it was, it was, it was yeah, a positive it, and a negative. Yeah, it was, it was, it was a step saying, up. You didn't, you didn't reach my standard until just now. 
which uh-huh. is the negative that you could be like, oh man, this whole time, like I haven't been good enough. And, he, and but but now he's saying, this is where I need it to be, mm-hmm. and you you're you you're finally there. Yeah. And you've shown me that, like I've known all along, that you can be at this level here, but you know, wink wink and a smile. This is where it starts. Right. The first time we uh, we rehearsed as a trio. Um, we were playing and he's like, he asked me to do something. He's like, play, he's like, I need you to play a little more like this. And okay, we did again, like only a couple bars and he sit, stop. He's like, no, I want you to try this. Start again. A couple bars, stop. All right, get, uh, get up. Hmm. And I was like, okay. And I, just, I got up and he grabbed the sticks and, and he, he sounded like Tony Williams. Wow. And he sounded like Ed. And it sounded like Roy Haynes. And it's just like, this is Eric. Right. Like, it's like, these, this is, you know, and obviously, you know, he doesn't have extremely developed technique, Mm -hmm. but the musicality Mm -hmm. and voice and the style and the vocabulary is here. Right, right. And it's here with him. And that was such a huge moment. Whereas, and like, you know, we've heard stories of, of guys, you know, just like Eric, you know, the Miles or or, <clears throat> or like Chick Corea. There's videos of Chick Corea playing drums, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, this guy James Brown, you know, just every, like every, just amazing musical forces mm-hmm. that the music is here. It, it's like regardless of instrument, almost it's there. Right. They have that sound, and so when Eric's playing, it's like that's it's a symphony going on, and really in reality. He doesn't need anyone mm-hmm. to play with him. Yeah. But he does because it's you get that musical influence and that energy and yeah. that's what it is. It's what it's supposed to be and that's why it is. That way is just making music together and then committing to that and feeding the beast, you yeah. know? Yeah. And uh but yeah, he, he sat down and he was playing and and it it was so helpful to have him do that. For me, because again, a moment of it could have gone various ways. If well, well, fuck this. I might as well not even play. Right. Or oh, okay, that <laughs> I I got that now. Yeah, and that was freaking awesome. Yeah, yeah, and, awesome. And like, and I'm, I'm and I'm not exaggerating either. He 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 played some up tempo Tony Williams ride and. Kicked the shit out of me, <laughs> and, I and, I, and I shed it. <laughs> like you know, groups of fives and sevens and shit. Like I'm like, yeah. like just did it, you know. And I was like, you know, that's this is this is truly why he does what he does because he is that gift, right. and that's why you know the great composers of 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 our time had that. And why the great curators of our music did that. Yeah. Because they had that same gift. And being around people like that and musicians like that. And it's just super inspiring. And it helped it helped shape me so much. And in and, and in all of that too, I also came to realize that um, you know, there are certain things that you know, that sometimes that I might play that are, are unique to my 
playing style mm -hmm. that Eric doesn't want to hear. So then two, it's kind of a particular box right. to be in. Not nearly a box of like being in a canned show or <laughs> like no no ways am I relating it to that. But yeah. again, a, a, a you still small, gotta you still gotta tailor your playing to so yes the, yeah. the so, context yeah. or the artist or whatever it is yeah and and that's just that's a good lesson to understand for um, for especially a rhythm section player especially drummers mm -hmm. that um, if you you know you have to really understand what that band leader or that rhythm section leader or pianist or bass player what everybody likes and doesn't like and you and you fit that yeah also at the same time you know you've you've shed it enough you've you've you practice enough you've listened primarily listened enough yeah. and you have that music in you and you've been defining your playing all along and you continue to that you're comfortable with that and you know that you can still add your thing right. to what they want. Right. And, and just because just I don't get to do this one thing I like doesn't yeah. mean I can't still be me. And yeah. And, it, and it, took, it took time for me to understand that. More than anything, I would love to tour the world constantly with Eric mm -hmm. and play. It's, it's a dream, mm -hmm. you know. And, and that's what I would love and aspire. Um, but given the circumstances, um, now... I guess in, in now modern times, it's it's um, it's more cost effective to to you know to sometimes use guys in a region, yeah, and to you know have musicians travel cross country across across oceans, you know, right? And um, I totally get that. And also too, who am I to say that I should be the only drummer that Eric should ever play with? Yeah, because then too, what is that? Yeah. So, you know, say that However, again. It's a box. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's like I can't. You can't put. You know, you, you know what I. You know what I. Yeah, you know what I, you yeah. Know. It's it's limiting, um, and it's like yeah. as 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 awesome and comfortable and beautiful as that box might be. It's you're still depriving yourself. Yeah. You're you're depriving yourself of other things, and you're depriving Eric. Yeah. Of other things. Yeah. It took me. It took me a long time to to be it's less hard. less it's, territorial about your gigs. Yeah. Yeah, it's, um, it is. It is. It is hard. But when it and, and I, I feel you on that too. Um, because when it when it means so much to you, when it means everything to you, mm -hmm. and when you're starting to get little pieces of that, yeah, you don't want anything to go away because you're right. working so hard and you're so invested in it. Yes, that you're you're paranoid that you're going to lose this gig or this opportunity. However. That gets to a point where you put yourself in handcuffs because mm -hmm. then it's you start to be so obligated and, and worried about that, that potential opportunities and things that come your way, you miss them because right. you kind of got blinders on like, oh, I don't want this guy to like take my gig on Saturday night right? You know, or, oh, well, I don't want to lose that. But, well, you kind of like, okay, you got you to be able to breathe and be comfortable with I have the gig. It's my gig. Yeah, I'm not worried about it. Yeah, I want you. If, if anything, it, you should strive to. You know, the the music should drive people. I feel to strive that if you're going to sub something out, you should sub a better musician mm -hmm. than yourself because you owe that to the music. Yeah, you shouldn't make the call to the cat that doesn't play as well as you 
because because you're territorial about that because exactly yeah, because yeah. You're, you're not you're not contributing to the music you are taking away from the music mm-hmm. and what you could do is in turn if you you know if you even if you know that somebody you feel that their playing could be better invite them out to your gigs yeah. um so to watch you you know to get that experience to watch you or have them sit in you know take them under your wing um but it, or if 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 cats did the thing where okay i'm not playing this week however so and so is sitting in for me they are an amazing musician right you need to go check them out and that that reflects better on you as a as a professional. Like if you send yeah. someone as good yeah. or better than you to sub, yeah. then your band leader is going to come back to you and say, "Man, thanks for sending so and so. He yeah. killed it." Yeah. As opposed to coming back to you and be like, "Why did you send me that dude?" <laughs> yeah, because it, exactly. Yeah. So, and it's it's a uh, it's it's extremely hard to do that when um, if you when you when some people if, if people. Is it is humility the word I'm looking for? If, if people lack humility, mm-hmm. or just or or the confidence in their own playing, um, and being humble in a way of it's like, well, okay, you play great. I want you to play. Mm-hmm. Um, I wish I could be there to watch you play, mm-hmm. but I'm gonna do this. Mm-hmm. So I'm entrusting with you to make this music successful. Right, and happy. right, right. And that that would only feed the music to to store. Yeah. And that, that's how I feel about that. Are you living in Baltimore or I am I'm like 10 miles south of Baltimore. Okay. So um, so how did how did the uh, opportunity for and t- tell people about the group you're in in the army yeah. and how that opportunity came about and what life is like these days. <laughs> yeah, these days. Well, I will start off with saying that these days are fantastic. <laughs> Good. They're great. So the the U.S. Army Jazz Ambassadors Big Band is in the excuse me is is under the the, the U.S. Army Field Band is the unit, mm-hmm. um, but the Jazz Ambassadors Big Band is my is my part right. of that unit. So uh, we are the premier touring big band of the U.S. Hmm. and for the army so we were on the road we are the touring band um there are other bands that do tour um other premier ensembles however they are based they're mainly stationed where they're at and they do a lot of local performances right ceremonies things of that sort um the airmen of note i'm sure a lot of people out there have heard of the airmen of note yeah as well <clears throat> Air, the the note you know you know you can refer to it as the note the right. note tours as well. Um, however, we tour more. Mm-hmm. Um, our mission uh, for the army and uh, the, the military is to get to the grassroots of America and to to bring our great music to them, mm-hmm. and also to bring you know the story and the message of our armed forces. And um, it's a beautiful honor to have, but really the best way in doing that is providing people with incredible music and again that energy and that commitment and that driving force of performance of that music for them to tell their own story to Mm. themselves you almost don't even need to have that conversation with them but because you're giving so much to that music and that performance it 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 touches people's emotions yeah just 
in the most human of ways and it brings back happiness, it brings back sorrow, it brings great moments, bad moments, you know, people, I, I, I have yet to have a concert so far with this this ensemble and and with the jazz ambassadors that um, we have we have not received a, a standing ovation hmm. at the end wow. because it's it's powerful and we do have some patriotic tunes that we that we play as well right um, but it's we we are one of the best jazz big bands in the world yeah and from you know again dream gig. Yeah, uh, but aspiring to do that, you know, first inspirations as a drummer, you know, Buddy Rich. Mm-hmm. I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm very humble and happy to say that, and to share that with millions of other drummers. Right. Sure. If we probably counted them up, who who would say Buddy Rich's name? It would be in the millions. All of them. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> because again, just like Eric, Buddy Rich, Buddy didn't need a band. Right. He didn't need a big band to play music. The, he, you know, it, you could watch Buddy play for an hour set, right? And, and he and he could, and uh, he could walk into a room and yeah, play on the and, tabletop and and have the same effect on that room as if he was in a theater with the big band. Yeah, like and it, exactly, and commanding that energy and that presence and that musicality and putting it out there and feeding energy, and that's why he too had such high standards for his band mm-hmm. there, and there's countless stories of you know things like tuna fish sandwiches on the bus and <laughs> people getting fired in the winter time and, uh-huh. you know and just <laughs> but you know and everybody has their faults you know yeah. nobody's perfect yeah um but there's a great was, book there's a great yeah. book called the torment of buddy rich um, <laughs> yeah, I have, not, I have not checked that out yet. And it was – I forgot the author's name but it was a journalist who was a friend of Buddy Rich's and, and basically spent a few months or a year like touring and traveling with Buddy Rich and they were also close friends. Um, I think this was like in the 60s or 70s and this book was was basically kind of a memoir of, of this guy's experience traveling with Buddy Rich and, and uh, sort of having – unprecedented insight into into buddy's psyche and his motivations yeah um and after reading that book like for for all of buddy's faults for all Mm -hmm. of his rage and and his anger and his mistreatment of people after reading that book i understood that it all came from a place of wanting the music to be as good as it could be and and just wanting everybody to respect the music as much as he did and give as much to it as he did He he was a nurturer. Yeah, and he didn't express it well. <laughs> no, but, it's, but that's it, where know, that's where it was coming from. And and again, it's you know nobody's perfect. Yeah, yeah. And but he he had that intensity for the music. What was the uh, what was the audition process for for the jazz ambassadors like? But, so the, my audition again, just as I did for for Disneyland, I went into the mentality. Of, I'm going to get this gig. Mm. I'm, I'm going in. I'm putting everything I have into this because that's what I want out of it. I want everything mm. from it. Yeah. And I'm going to give that much into it because that's what I know they expect and, and that's what I want too. Mm-hmm. I, auditioning for the, for the Jazz Ambassadors, I was going to give everything to it because at that point in time, 
um, my wife Alexis and I, we uh, we were living in Boise, Idaho, because she got a, a position up there mm-hmm. uh, with a touring dance production company, and um, so that got her out of Southern California and then myself out of Southern California. And I remember for a while you were kind of <clears throat> bouncing back and forth between Dude. Boise, like coming Dude. back to do a, a gig with Eric Reed and you'd spend a week in LA and do a few Disney shifts and then yeah. back so to let, Boise. And, yeah. So let, let me talk about that just for a moment because yeah. it, it ties into my audition with yeah. the Jazz Ambassadors. So living in Boise, Idaho, um, Gene Harris, you know, was up. They had a place up there, and the Gene Harris Jazz Festival was huge mm-hmm. um, back in the day. Um, and then Lionel Hampton, also, you know, up in little northern Idaho, they, you know, near Moscow, Idaho, uh, they have that festival and everything. And so there is great music that does come through there. However, like a small town, which it is, that's something that's like once a year or every several months, mm-hmm. and there. Still at the moment, there's there's really not there's not quite a scene um, other than uh, the university that's up there, mm-hmm. um, Boise State, and then the University of Idaho is up north. But I was in Boise, Idaho, so I didn't spend any time in northern Idaho. Um, but there, there literally there was there were no gigs. I <laughs> I, I I went out several times and I I met some cats and. Uh, and uh, I quickly realized that um, those those gigs that were in town, um, that was it, right. and that's what that's what those cats did. Mm-hmm. They and that was it. So and there was no there was no like there's there's no like sitting in really. Yeah. And, and they told me that, and I was like, I right, dude, I I get it. I mean, right? All right, that's. <laughs> You can't you can't force you can't force it on people to you know I mean you could but that's not it's it's not the right right thing to do you know it, it's funny that we could go so many ways for that you know forcing somebody off the bandstand to sit in you could do that but it really it could help what yeah. is it going to help you not know cool. but it's just it's just not it's just not good taste yeah <laughs> so um, so I knew and I was already still committed I was still hired at Disneyland. Um, during that time, but I had ad- talked to management and asked them if uh, I could remain as a sub mm-hmm. because I was going to be in Los Angeles uh, at least um, at least about a week to two to three weeks at a time out of the month. Mm-hmm. So I was even though our address and was going to be living in Boise, Idaho. I was still going to be in Los Angeles working and I, I asked him if, if I could um, stay hired on as, as a sub uh, for both sides of the park at that point because both you and I, we were working on both sides. Right. So other, there, in addition band, to Five and Dime, there are other bands. Subbing with, and, and that was a beautiful thing about that gig was starting to get involved with other areas of the park because yeah. some of the, again, some of the world's best musicians work at that park. Yep. Get down there. Make as much bread as possible. Still mm-hmm. work at Disney a couple shifts here and there. Balance the schedule and thankfully be able to to utilize uh, well, not just utilize, but rely on friends and mm-hmm. friendship and 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 cats to to room with mm-hmm. and 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 rely on people's good graces to help me um, get through that time yeah. because um, 
and Gareth Price, you know who you are, <laughs> <laughs> a fellow drummer of a friend of Zach and mine's. Yeah. Um, Still, still working at Disneyland. Yep, still doing um, it. But and doing all kinds of other doing crazy all kinds shit of, around LA. Yep, he's got a got a couple bands going and glow in the dark skeleton suits. Yep, and, uh, yep, he's uh, <laughs> he's getting it, man. And uh, after being on the road working with Eric uh, for about two and a half, three years, um, and then about half of that time uh, with Hamilton Price, who joined the Jazz Ambassadors big band. A year prior, mm-hmm. my homie, and uh, he called me one day and he said, "Bro, because that's just how Ham talks." You know, Bro, Todd's retiring from the band. You interested? And of course, I said yes mm-hmm. because it couldn't have come at a better time, personal life wise mm-hmm. as well, but career wise. Because again, think back. What was my goal originally? Get to the East Coast. Right. Okay, Ham, tell me about the gig, right? Permanent station, Fort Meade, Maryland. Um, touring roughly 100 or so days out of the year, which is a substantial time. Yeah. It is, and that's time away from my wife. However, um, <clears throat> you know, touring, the, the pay, you know, you, you know um, the, the rank, the position, um, being able to, to have insurance. You yeah. Know? You know, life insurance, health insurance, mm-hmm. dental coverage, not just for myself, for my spouse, mm-hmm. for our future children, for, you know, having those things taken care of on top of the, on top of the fact that my job, um, that they define as a job, 42 Sierra, which is my MOS for the military, which is a special bandsman, um, I, my job is to perform concerts, to mm-hmm. play concerts play music for the armed forces, but more importantly for the United States public. Mm. And there is not one small cranny of this beautiful country that we will not see. Yeah. And then literally that is, that is my job and that's my mission. And to be able to share that and inspire people, um, even if it's not through words or conversation after or before a concert, um, but just, musical inspiration and to share that with people and it's been such an honor to do that but Hamilton called me told me about the gig I said yes and what I had to do is I had to submit a recorded audition so like I had mentioned that I was going to put everything I had into this because that's what I want out of it and I know that's what it's expected of me Mm -hmm. is commitment 100% and uh, utilizing contacts in, in L.A. And Hamilton got me um, in contact with Ron King, who runs Big Band Los Angeles. You know, been in big bands, run big bands for years. Right. Um, got me in contact with him. Uh, Ron let me utilize his band and his book of thousands of charts. Yeah. You know. Help me pick out um, some relative material that would be that I felt would be good, and that you know, utilizing his expertise as a right. band leader, you right. know, and just knowledge of music, um, to to help me pick out those selections and record with his band. Mm-hmm. Of course, as it is, things cost money. Yeah. You know? So I was I was committed. I was going to put everything I had. Um, recorded an entire album. Wow. 
mastered the album. Wow. I could like I I I wanted it to sound completely 100% accurate relative and the quality of my playing currently at this point and what I'm auditioning for this ensemble because I had recordings that I probably could have thrown together to submit but that's not going to be is not going to be accurate and it's not going to the balance of Everything is it's not gonna be balanced. You're gonna have different EQs for this. It's it's just not gonna it's not gonna be professional. Right. And so I did that. Then I had two other sessions with small group, <clears throat> but I had to have big band, I had to have early jazz, I had to have at least like a funk, country or rock mm-hmm. type of tune, just showing a versatility of styles. Right. And um that was that was what the audition was asking for. So I put that together. I spent a little over it's about a little over two grand total, mm. which on you know on the friend side, you know on the industry and the hookup side, that's a great deal. Yes, to to only have to spend that much. Yes, <laughs> to have you know seven tracks on an album um, with a big band on half of it and then small group. Right. With it being mixed and mastered, and this is just for the first round of auditions, yeah, this, right? Yeah, this because is this. I don't have this gig. No, right. this 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 is just my submission to be moved on to the next round, right? Which would be an in-person audition uh, with the band in D.C. or in in, in Fort Meade in Maryland, mm-hmm. just north of D.C. Um, to then, you know, after that, be selected to have in the final round, and mm-hmm. then. Um, I had some one-on-one interviews as well after that. So again, the audition process with Disney helped prepare me for this. Yeah, having to talk to you know people of that industry, um, of people of rank. Um, yeah, I, I had a one-on-one interview with our colonel and um, command sergeant major of the field band division. Which are, they they are in charge, right? You know? Right, and, at that and that's point, about that's about like this is not just about how you no, play. Yes. This is about how this, this are, are you. you gonna are you gonna fit yeah. into this culture? Yeah. Exactly. Are you you know? Do you understand that you know you will go through basic training? Mm-hmm. Um, you are a soldier. You know you this you know, and they they made that very clear. Um, but really, also clarifying you know what my job is, what my position is. And what will be expected of me, mm-hmm. and um, and so that was that was very nice, mm-hmm. and and uh, you know recorded the album, flew from Los Angeles all the way to to Baltimore, um, the night before had to wake up at six a.m. Mm-hmm. Eastern time, <laughs> get to base at seven, warm up for about thirty minutes, um, and then the audition started at eight. Wow. Sight read 16 charts. Woo. Yeah. <laughs> with a world-class, above and beyond professional big man. Right. And, uh, again, dream moment, just like when I played with Eric the mm-hmm. first time. Um, Nothing else was, matters. Play yeah, this music. Yeah, it's, it's time to play. Yeah. It's time to, to do what you do. And you're prepared and you're ready. And you're going to make mistakes, but you're going to be just fine because you're going to keep playing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, one thing led to another. Yep. And, 
they they asked me if, if I would uh, like the position, and I said yes. And then that was a crazy flight on the way home because then it was the point of, oh, oh yeah, now I got to get ready to go to basic training for the army. Right. <laughs> right. It's it's not now it's not just drums for the next <laughs> four months, you know. Yeah. So so then I had to go all through that. Disney and the military are obviously very different in a lot of different ways. Yes. But they're they're both. I think of them both as big bureaucratic machines uh, that that musicians are not necessarily well suited for. <laughs> yes, uh, in terms and, of their daily operations and just yes, and 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 that is there is truth to that. Um, but the obviously, the Walt Disney Company is a company, is a business. Mm-hmm. Um, what do what are businesses' goals to make profit? Mm-hmm. So. Um, you have to understand that you are one piece of that profit puzzle. So it's checks and balances. What does you know? What 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 are you providing that is making them profit? Right. How are you contributing to their yeah. bottom line? So that is you know in a in, in a very special way and a very important way because um, there's so much of our society that is. It's just it's, it's too much, you know, screen in the face, you know, no perception to what's going on. Mm-hmm. But when you can have that visual connection with with a guest or someone in the audience at a concert, or you know, them them feeling that energy from you, it, it kind of takes people back yeah. and lets them realize. Like it kind of brings people back to reality, and it, that's extremely important right. for them. And it sounds like that part of the job is the same in the it army is. or at Disney or with Eric yes. Reed or yes, yeah. yes, it is. And um, with the army, obviously, you know, budgets yeah. are made. You know, how much money is going to be put for this? What what does what does this provide for the army? What does this do? So for us, my our mission is to provide concerts for the public to to share the Army's story, to share the military story, but also to, to represent the professionalism of our nation's forces mm-hmm. to the and public. And to share, to share American music. And exactly. Thank you for reading my mind. <laughs> uh, because, and that is the truth, to, to share the great music of our nation mm. to every corner of the nation that might not be able to ever have that experience of going to the Village Vanguard right. in New York, right. you know. We will go to your rodeo ring and we will play because literally we will do that. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, and, um, and there's beauty in that. Yeah. It's kind of comical sometimes the places we play. However, no, no hall is too large, no room is too small. Yep. And yep. if you have that mentality, um, you, you don't have limits on yourself. Your audience is everything. And I found those it, to be the, some of the most rewarding audiences, the most yeah. appreciative audiences. Because, yeah. uh-huh. you know, if you're in New York or LA, yeah. The audience is like, yeah. oh, oh, another world class performance by somebody, mm-hmm. whatever. But mm-hmm. you know, out in uh, uh, what <laughs> Lincoln, Nebraska, or mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> yeah. somewhere, yeah, you, know, yeah, yeah. you can yeah. really yeah. connect with people that way. Yeah, and um, so they're so yeah, the, you know, as you said, you know, like big bureaucratic machines or whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, they are large. Um, they are big. However, my part is is one part of that. Um, I'm ultimately not making um, decisions for you know the mass for for the armed forces or not but I, I will play my part and inspire people through my music um, to to 
what, what, what am I trying to say? Um, I would give everything I have to inspire people to be, to be better, to maybe have, um, to open their eyes a little bit, um, to reflect. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, and that's my job. But ultimately the way I do that is, is music. Yeah. And thankfully I have the position and I've been given the honor of the position to do that. And I'm able to still gig outside mm-hmm. as well. Um, when we're not touring, we're rehearsing. Right. And, um, I'm encouraged to, to gig as much as I want. You know, yeah. I have mileage restrictions just like any, any other personnel in the military. Um, but if I want, if I ask for a mileage pass or I take leave or whatnot, I could still travel. I can go places. Um, but there, you know, I'm, I'm a member of the armed forces. Right. And, um, that professionalism, I carry that with me everywhere. Yeah. And, um, I'm so honored and humbled to have my position that I have now. Awesome. Mm-hmm. It's a great place to end it, man. Yeah. Thank you, Zach. Duty calls. Go, go report for duty. Yep. Got to, got to change my clothes and get out the door. Yeah. Get your haircut too. <laughs> I, dude, I need to, <laughs> I, I told you, I, it's, you know, yeah. got, got to do it. Yep. Yeah. Cool. Thanks so much for talking, man. Oh yeah, buddy. Safe dude, travels out there you. on the road with the band. Uh-huh. And, uh, I'm sure we'll, we'll see you sooner or later. Yeah, I'll shoot you. Um, I'll shoot you a little email with scheduled stuff because we're we're about to go on a summer tour, short summer tour to um, the Ohio area. Cool. Uh, we'll be playing, uh, I believe, with the Cleveland Pops Orchestra. I think. Nice. Um, yeah, we'll put. We can put a things, link. But, we can put a link yeah. to the schedule on yeah, yeah, the yeah. Uh, homepage. And, it, and we've and we're we tour three times a year, basically spring, summer, and fall. Um, and uh, but usually they're about uh, thirty-five to forty so days long tours, wow. cool. regions of the regions of the U.S. So, mm-hmm. and all of our concerts are free for the public. Wow, you that's never, great! You never have a, a ticket price. That's great. Um, and because that's that's our duty and our job. Mm-hmm. So, and that's a beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, awesome, Dude, man. Good to talk to you, man. Good to Miss talk you. to you. Best of luck to you, man. All right, buddy. Peace. Sweet guy, great drummer, Wes Anderson. As long as I've known him, he's been so focused, so hardworking, so humble, and it's great to see all that pay off for him. A few years ago, I started calling him Captain Hands because he just has the classiest, most effortless traditional grip technique. I don't care that he's only a staff sergeant, he's got the hands, and now he's got the uniform, so he is Captain Hands in my book. If you go to the page for this episode at WorkingDrummer.net, you'll see a video of Captain Hands in action with the Jazz Ambassadors, and I think we're going to start including more video content on those pages, so be on the lookout for that. Uh, This episode page also includes a link to the Jazz Ambassadors touring schedule, so check that out. Like Wes said, there's nowhere they won't play, so they will probably be in a town near you before long, and all of their concerts are free and open to the public. Thanks to Mike Jackson for his technical assistance. Matthew Krause is back at you next week, and thanks for listening.